Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sports is a Job podcast journey of the working sports professional. This is your host, Colby Castillo. And what I do on this podcast is I document my journey currently working through the sports industry. And more importantly, I bring on guests who are in positions that many of us thrive and want to be in. They talk about their story, they talk about their journey, and they share their insight from what they learned so that you may all know that it is possible and there are many different options and paths to success in the sports industry. And so with season two, episode three, let me introduce my guest. My guest today has a tremendous amount of experience as a college athletic administrator. He has experience at the NCAA Division I, Division II, Division III, and even the NAIA level. In the world of professional development, he's earned 14 awards from the National Association of Collegiate Marketing Administrators Association. And yes, you heard that correct. He's earned 14 awards. And among those awards are two pair of gold awards, which are given great for great, great revenue generating ideas. The most recent coming in 2014-2015 when he worked at Armstrong State University. Currently, he's the director of athletics at Goshen College. He's entering his second year there. He's had quite a journey and I'm excited to have him on the podcast. And trust me, he has a story to tell, a story worth listening to. And so let's get right to the episode. Welcome back to the Sports is Job podcast. This is your host, Kobe Castillo. You heard this person's introduction just a couple seconds earlier, so I'd like to formally welcome him to the Sports is Job podcast. Welcome, Harold M. Watson. How are we doing today? I'm doing good, Kobe. Thanks for having me on today. Of course. You know, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. As I mentioned in the, in the introduction, you've had quite a journey, um, and you have tremendous amount of experience and one of the things I want to highlight is, you know, you you have experience at the NCAA Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, and the NAIA level. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So I kind of what I want to do. Um, I haven't done this with any guests just yet, but I want to just kind of go through your journey and go through the timeline of things. So I kind of want to take it back um, to your very first job, um, your very first opportunity into the college athletic administration world. And from what I from what I heard and what I read, um, you began at Division One in two thousand seven as an intern at Northwestern University in Illinois, and then you went on to the University of Hartford in Connecticut. So, how did you maximize this first opportunity? You know, was this experience did it strengthen your your want to work in the industry, or did it do the opposite? And really, did you always want to be a college athletic administrator? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll start with the first part of that. Definitely strengthened my want to work in college athletics. Um, I grew up in Evanston, so I'm a huge Northwestern fan, and not a whole lot of us around. Um, so it kind of fell into my lap the opportunity to do the internship at, at Northwestern, and I got to see the way that athletic administrators um, really worked with their student athletes. Um, obviously, I was in the marketing side, so promoting the programs that, that we were dealing with, but but also having an impact on on our student athletes, and it really created that like uh, excitement around college athletics for me from an administrative side, and said helped me decide that this was my goal was to to continue my career working in college athletics, and it, uh, Northwestern actually helped me get to the University of Hartford because. My supervisors at Northwestern knew the the people at at the University of Hartford and said, "Hey, 
but personality-wise, you guys might be a good fit. He really loves marketing and, and college athletics, and, and Northwestern really honed in on, on giving me, I think, that platform and that understanding of who I wanted to be as an administrator. As, uh, obviously, we come to work every day and we have a job to do, but it also helped me realize that, like, our our number one goal in working in college athletics is to have an impact on student athletes and and helping them realize what their their goals and dreams are and getting to that point. So it, it really helps shine the light on uh, the important part of working in college athletics and what we do and how we do it is, is making sure that everything that we do is, is for our student athletes. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that you mentioned that. You know, I think it's something um, – it is a business. The college athletics, obviously, it is a business. But I think the the, the why of what you're doing is a big thing. And I, I, I remember looking at a article when you first got the job at the position you are today. They mentioned that, you know, your philosophy of things was you wanted to create a first-class um, experience for your student-athletes. And from what you're saying, it seems like that's your philosophy of things of um, you want to create a great experience for your student-athletes um, in athletics, off the field, um, academics in the in the university and really after their time there. So you know where did this philosophy come from? Like how did that come to to come to develop? I know you mentioned that Northwestern University really started that process for you. So like where did that philosophy come from and how? Where, why did you place such a big importance on that? Yeah, um, that philosophy. I, being honest, it came from my own experience as a student athlete. Um, I didn't know it at the time, once I got into college athletics, that those things were important, um, but I had that kind of experience. I had an experience where I was able to participate in, in NCAA postseason championships as a football player. I had coaches that really honed in and made sure that, that they paid attention to me as a person and trying to put me in situations that would allow me to succeed off of the football field. Um, and, and then I, I was an English major, so there was no time mm-hmm. off uh, in the classroom. Um, so it, it really started when I was a student athlete and, and understanding the things that are important. Um, Northwestern and the University of Hartford kind of honed in on those things and uh, brought those things to the, the forefront. And then once I really got into administration as an assistant athletic director at Knox College, um, I realized what was important to me, and I was able to verbalize it to supervisors, to student athletes, to coaches that I supervised. Um, and then after that, once you figure that out wholeheartedly, then it's, it's about finding institutions that align with who you are and your philosophies and, and the way, where you want to go as an uh, athletic administrator or a coach. Um, it, it's, a, it's a lot about fit. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't go to an institution that, that doesn't have – they may not have all of them, but they have to have some portion of who you are in their belief system from the top down. I think I, I like that you touched on um, you were talking about how really it, it kind of whole circle coming around how you had a great experience as a student athlete. And that was the main reason why your philosophy, um, the way it is, it is the way it is. And then the reason why you got into college athletic administration. I mean, I can say the same thing for myself. Um, I'm a former Division two student athlete and really, you know, going into the industry, my my experience as a student athlete has made me you know, led to the belief that, you know, athletics is the greatest opportunity. It's provided opportunities for myself 
And so now I'm, I'm embarking on this journey of giving opportunity through to others um, through athletics. And so you, you kind of touched based on it. Um, you went to University of Hartford in 2008, and then you started off as a manager and then eventually worked your way into assistant director of marketing promotions and events. You know, I think that's a big transition going from a manager to, to an assistant director position. You know, so was there a challenge of transitioning from an intern to an assistant director? There, there definitely was, um, uh, and uh, that was my title. But essentially, my, my last year at the University of Hartford, I was running the marketing department, and uh, it definitely was a huge challenge because it comes along with, with more responsibility. And, and at the time, I'm, you know, 27, and I'm managing other students. I'm, I'm assisting another individual, and we're running the, the marketing department. Um, you just start getting into higher level conversations and you realize how to handle those things. But as you go from that intern level at, at Northwestern to my third year at the University of Hartford, um, there's a maturation process that just naturally happens, but it, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, I went from not being in the conversation with coaches to being the one that was with the coach and telling them what our plan was and how we were going to get there. Um, it definitely did not, like I said, did not happen overnight. Um, you learn the nuances of, of working with different personalities. Um, you learn the nuances of, of working with different constituent bases. Um, and, and I think those are things that even till this day I'm still using because uh, whereas I was answering to someone else, now I'm, I'm the one that's doing the hiring and, and mentoring and doing all those things. Um, but it's, a, it's the exact same thing no matter what level you're at. You have to learn how to work with different personalities, work with different backgrounds, and, and be able to meet them where they are so that you can get the most out of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I kind of think, you know, did you, have, did you always have that, like, a confidence to, to have these higher conversations to these coaches? Like you were talking about um, you were in this intern role, you were this lower-level role, so you didn't really have the conversation with the coaches, and then you move into this higher role, now you're having coaches telling them this is the plan. Like, did you have to build that sense of confidence to be able to have those conversations? Um, I, I, I say yes and no. Um, I say yes in the, the fact that um, some of it is, is just my background and who I, you know, I, I was fortunate that, that even through struggle I had people in my life that told me that I was going to be great regardless. So if you, you walk in there and, and you just know that, you are who you are and, and what you, you've prepared to be at this certain level. Um, so some of it comes from there, and then some of it is, is honestly it's just learning and, and communicating and, and knowing people just in general, um, knowing who they are and, and how people think and, and act and, and maneuver. And, it's, it's, you know, it's, some of it is learning that, that uh, you know, People always say all education doesn't happen in the classroom. It's it's just getting to talk to people and realizing that hey, what I'm I'm saying is right, and we're going to get through it. And I'm just got to show you how <laughs> how we we're going to get get to the end result. Um, I think as long as you know that you're confident in what you're talking about, it's easy to have the conversation with anyone. Mm-hmm. And I, I I um you know I think you mentioned like it's always a learning process. And you have to figure out, you know, how to deal with people. I think one of the things with me, um, I'm what is four or five months into the job now. Um, I, I manage the facility schedules and event management and intramurals on campus. But one of the things I notice 
And I think I kind of have to give credit to being a student athlete and being on the team my whole life is that you learn how to you learn how to deal with different personalities. And that's one of the things um, working. I'm noticing that a lot of coaches, everyone has a different personality. Everyone has different ways of doing things. And then like how you mentioned, you have to figure out how do you communicate to person A compared to person B, because it's not going to be always the same way you communicate among the whole group. And then so, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. and then so I want to go next, the next step. Um, and then you, you already mentioned again, you went to Knox college, right? And then this, and then yep. in your bio, it was talking about, you know, you're really the driving force behind fundraising and donor relations. And so coming from someone who was an English major, um, and just really talking in general, you know, what, 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 what is it that made you successful at marketing and fundraising? I mean, you did have, you got awards for your different, um, revenue generating ideas You've, you've, I mean, increased revenue by like 50% is what the numbers were saying. So what made you successful at that? Um, I, I think there's two things. I think one is, is me being my authentic self. And then I think the other part is, is drive. Um, it, I think that sometimes in athletic administration and, and as a whole, um, as, as student athletes move out of, playing their sports and, and being the competitive person that they are, we lose sight of the competitive side of it. And for me, that's just my drive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm as competitive as they, as they come. I wasn't <laughs> on the football field having a block or, or doing something to help my, my team win, but I saw it in the same light. I try to, to take what I'm doing on the marketing side and use that to create a sport out of myself so that, hey, I want to be the best that I can possibly be, and this is how I get there. So I, I think that there's, there's two things. It's, it, but the most important part is, is really just drive. Just, hey, I, I like winning awards. It's okay to want to be successful. And I think sometimes, like I said, we lose sight of that in the process as, as we're going from being a student athlete to an intern to a um, – but in, in my eyes, it's always been, hey, the first, first award I got when I was working at University of, of – or at Northwestern University, was an award that I had to go door-to-door to help fill the seats at a, bat, a women's basketball game where our, our coach was going to tra- change her hair to purple for the game <laughs> and coach that way if we, we sold a certain number of tickets. Well, luckily for me in Chicago at the time in January, it was like 60 degrees, so it was nice outside to do it. Um, but uh, it really boils down to drive and, and wanting to be successful at it. Definitely. I, I, you know, it's, I think that's as far as myself too, I'm always competitive. I remember when I stopped playing sports, um, I, I was a former student athlete. Once I became a former student athlete, um, that drive and that competitiveness really kind of went into being a college athletic administrator. administrator and that's kind of like now, you know, I, I, it, you can have a selfless purpose, but you can also still be selfish in a way you want to succeed for yourself. And that's something I'm, I'm learning through this process is that it's okay to want to succeed as an individual because when you get to success, you get bigger platforms. And the bigger platforms you have, the more, you know, the more effect, the more effect you have on more people in that way. Absolutely. And then so I kind of want to take away, you know, go away from the journey thing. And then you talked about this whole your coach dyeing her hair purple. So let's talk about what's a, what's one fun thing one fun promotion that you really liked looking back at your career right now? 
Um, I would say the the promotion that I'm well, and it, it wasn't necessarily a promotion. Um, the, the the thing I love telling people about uh, when I was at the University of Hartford, uh, we had a really good basketball season season the year before, best best in school history, made it to the conference championship game, and we're trying to figure out what to do to start the year and we were playing an in-state rivalry trying to really build a rivalry with the the program uh quinnipiac university it's about a, a hour and a half away from our campus and we decided to create uh superman eight um and we <laughs> put it on a bunch of t-shirts and on the back we put men of steel and we proceeded to lose like 18 games in a row at one point during <laughs> the season now, while it, it's it's something that that was essentially a flop, it was a reminder for me to 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 put the emphasis on the things that are important, um, and because <laughs> there are certain things you can't control. Yeah, you can't control if you if your your basketball team doesn't have a good year, um, and if that's the basis of what you're selling, nobody's going to show up for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I. Uh, I like telling people that story because the, the shirts were great and the kids loved them on campus. But writing that "Men of Steel" on the back, uh, it, it, it definitely hurt us. And we were <laughs> uh, throughout the year we were actively trying to figure out how we're going to get people to come to games. You know, once that streak was at like seventeen or eighteen, um, so it, it, for me it was just a reminder to, to make sure you keep the important things the important things. Mm-hmm. And I, I I like that you talked about that because that's something. Um, obviously, it's not in my job title here, but one of the things I'm doing is that or one of the advices I got was your job title doesn't limit the job responsibilities that you have. You know, be willing to do things outside of your job title and an opportunity has come. And one, you get to learn about other different aspects um, in the athletic administration. And so, you know, that's one of the issues that we deal with here is getting people to come to our games. And you mentioned that you shouldn't focus on the things you can't control as such as, you know, the winning record, how well the team does. Cause I mean, really we don't have a direct impact on that. Um, so what would you say? What are those things that you do have to focus on then the things that you say that matter? Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, you know, especially when you're looking at, at from a promotional standpoint, it's how we get our fans in and out of our building, what kind of promotions we're doing on the court, um, and I'm speaking like basketball specifically, because mm-hmm. uh, most schools that I worked at, basketball has been been top dog. Um, what are the things that we're doing on the courts and the field in between the game to keep our fans engaged? Uh, what is our concession stand like? You know, at a smaller school, uh, it's you know it's not like at a, a large institution that has someone that comes in and does concessions. Mm-hmm. It's what can we do to impact the experience of our fans? to allow them to say, hey, I don't care that the basketball team didn't win last night. I had a great time with my kids at the game. I'm going to come back because of Mm -hmm. that so that down the road when our team figures it out, they'll still be fans no matter what. Yeah, and so so you you kind of focus on the experience of being there rather than the experience of winning or losing the game. Correct, correct. Obviously, winning and losing has some part of, of... a fan's experience when they come into our facility. Mm-hmm. But if that's the only reason that they're there is to see a winning team, they're not going to continue to come back. Okay, I see. Yeah, because I think that's one of the uh, one of the big topics, especially today, is how to develop kind of like 
because you have your diehard fan base who like always stick with the team no matter win or lose. Um, but it's always the issue of how do you develop these fans who are on the fence, who really don't come to the games, who kind of depend on whether or not they're winning or losing to support. And I, I, I kind of like that you talked about this because this is something I can apply um, to my own job and to the, our athletic department here. And then so, you know, you, you're going through this journey. Um, you're an intern. You're moving up the ladder. You're going at different universities, different levels. Um, and I, was, I mentioned, you know, I was given the advice of focusing on the now, you know, being in the moment and not really focusing on the next big opportunity. So what was your what was your approach to that? Like, how did you stay in the moment, but also focus on creating the next opportunity for yourself? Yeah, um, I, I, I think for me, um, the way to focus on the now was, was working for really good uh, athletic directors at the time. Um, I, I can honestly say every step of the way from, and I exclude Northwestern just because I was an intern and I didn't have a whole lot of communication with the, the athletic director while I was there. Um, but at Hartford and Knox and Payne and Armstrong and Georgia Southern, working for athletic directors that you truly believe in, um, that's the easiest way to stay in the now. Um, and if, if they're doing their job right, while you're staying in the now, they're looking at your future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can honestly say that I worked for athletic directors that, that looked at my future and said, hey, you have an opportunity to do this, and this is how I'm going to assist you while you're here to get to that point as long as you pay attention to the things that you're supposed to be concentrating on now. So for me, it wasn't hard because I worked for really good mentors, people that I talked to still to this day on a, you know, on a monthly basis and whether it's text or it's a phone call or email, I still have communication with them. Um, And then even some of my mentors that that I've never worked for but are in the business, um, they've always honed in and and reminded me to stay stay in the the current because we're going to help you get to that place in the future where you're trying to go. Mm -hmm. And so is that, is that the philosophy you have now as an AD? Because I did see, you know, I, I looked on Twitter and um, one of your, Erica, I believe is her name. She's the uh, associate athletic, is she associate athletic director there? Yep. Yeah, I men- I yep. saw that she mentioned in the, uh, one of the SCA chats, you know, she really credited you for really helping her out in her own development. And that's somebody, it seems like through your social media relationships are such a big thing. You know, you, you keep, you keep up with these relationships you built and you're all about, you know, creating experiences for your student athletes, keeping in touch with them, and making sure they understand they can always come back to you later in the future. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I just had a conversation with a student athlete last week, and, and it was just him telling me what he was going through and, and working through kind of the conversation that we would have when I worked with him um, normally, where he would figure out the answer to the problem. He, he just needed someone to, to vent to and talk to and, and get get stuff off of his, his chest. Um, but, yeah, I take the same approach that, that those ADs, uh, again, I'm still talking to them on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. um, that they took with me. I, uh, once I know what your end result, you want your end result to be, I'll help you get there and I'll, I'll give you the tools to be successful in the now as we're building an athletic department here at Goshen, um, like with Erica. But I also want to put her in a situation where it's not just me pouring into her. Um, so that's what we actively do um, is trying to connect with other people that we don't see on a day-to-day basis and, and uh, 
using them to give us knowledge to help us help her be successful, help my student athletes or or other coaches. Um, I'll connect them with anyone that that's helped me along the way or anyone that I know that can help a situation that they may be dealing with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the big things I'm noticing um, in my own personal journey is that when I start talking to individuals such as yourself. Um, and all these other individuals, whether it's, I mean, outside of the sports industry, you know, this knowledge, this advice, um, the things that I'm learning, I'm able to apply that back into my job and really give the same advice and give that same knowledge to, to other um, young student athletes or people who look to me for advice. You know, it's, it's kind of like passing the knowledge to everywhere. It's an endless, endless circulation of knowledge is what I like to think about it. And then so, you know, 2014, 2017, you were at Armstrong State. And then they, it consolidated into Georgia Southern um, in 2017. So what, what was that experience like? Because I don't think I've ever seen, um, I don't think that's a regular thing. I think that's kind of a rare occurrence where you see two athletic departments have to consolidate. Yeah, and and I won't I won't even say it was a consolidation. It was more of a uh, it, it wasn't a takeover um, either uh, because. Uh, there was a handful of us uh, coaches and administrators that went over from Armstrong to Georgia Southern. Um, really, for the for the athletic side, it was more of us just figuring out our new roles compared to where we were um, at at Armstrong. I think for the institution, it was a bigger conversation because you were taking one identity from an institution and essentially absolving it and and doing away with it and and. In the next five years, most people won't even know that, that the Armstrong side existed as the universities continue to grow together and, and come together. Um, but just from an administrative side, it was definitely uh, there were some uh, a learning curve because, again, mm-hmm. not that the people coming from Armstrong weren't able to tackle the different nuances and things that go along with being at a Division One institution. Um, it really just boiled down to, uh, and I'm speaking for myself in general, um, being inside the room and in, involved in the decision-making process to now taking a, a step away and just focusing back on marketing. Um, that was, that's I think for anyone in that situation, it's just difficult to walk that path. Um, because again, you you've been in the know, and now you're you're not in the know. And and when you think about career development and things like that, it it you know it it forces you to take a step back and I think reevaluate what's important for you as an individual. And if nothing else, I got that part. And I I I like to think that I had a good experience at Georgia Southern. I know that I I grew a lot as an administrator. Um, at Georgia Southern in that the 14, 15 months that I was there. Um, but it, it really was I – mean, the, the tough part was watching our former student-athletes who were at Armstrong not be able to compete anymore because we really had some quality athletic programs there. Um, and uh, the way that it, it shook out, um, there were only four or five student-athletes that ended up coming over to the new Georgia Southern student-athletes either, depending on where they were in their career, they either stopped playing um, altogether or they had to wait a period or transfer um, to, to go play elsewhere. So that was a tough part, I think, for me as an administrator who's now working at this new university um, but also has this relationship with these student-athletes who were 
really quality student athletes and, and competed at the highest level. Um, I, I, I used a sport like softball. I was the supervisor of, of softball at the time. We had back-to-back years finishing third in the country in Division Two. Wow. And we had a, um, we, I think we had two student athletes that came over to Georgia Southern and started from day one, and then we had some that, that left, but we also had a good number of, of young ladies that ended up just staying at Georgia Southern and getting their, or at, at the new Georgia Southern, but not playing softball and getting their degrees. That was the hard part, I think, for, for us as administrators and coaches is just that part where our student athletes didn't get to fulfill their career um, being a student athlete for Armstrong State. Mm-hmm. And that's something uh, I'm not. I mean, it's not the same, but um, just this this past year, we uh we actually got um we dropped our football program. So while it's not the same experience, you know, I kind of get the idea of you know I have a relationship with a lot of these student athletes, a lot of these football players. I mean, some of them, the ones that are juniors and seniors, were were teammates of mine at one point, and so to see them have to leave, especially when they built relationships with other students here. Um, faculty and coaches, it's such a heartbreaking thing to see. And I, I think the only thing um, I can really do is just be there for them, whatever it is they need to get wherever they want to go is what is like what you were saying. And then so, so how did, so now, you know, 2018 to the present day, you know, how did you, how did this opportunity of being the director of athletics at Goshen College come about? Um, it, it, honestly, it, it just seemed like a good fit from the outside. Uh, I had a nephew that played football at Notre Dame. We're about 40 minutes east of, of South Bend. So it, it really, it, the job came open. I saw it, and I saw where it was. I'm from outside of Chicago, so it was an opportunity to get back towards the Midwest. Um, and the the stars aligned, and everything worked out, and and. And it was just a really good fit at the time. There was no connections to the school or anything, at least at the time. I found out later on that I had some some ironic connections that would have had no idea that I was applying for this job or, or anything like that. But um, as a you know a, a young athletic director, um, it was it was just something that that just worked out. And so, what is it? So you're you're in year two now. So what is the difference between year one? And year two for you? Um, I, I think the, the biggest difference for me uh, from year one to year two is, is knowing that I have my staff in place now um, mm-hmm. where I walked in and, and there was a, a whole bunch of things that happened prior to me getting here and, and, and some coaches that were in really good spots and some coaches that were retiring and making some hirings and shifting my, my administration around, whereas now in year two, Everything is pretty much sure up, and we know where we're going, and and we got everyone on boat on the on the boat, so to speak, that we want to have on on the boat. So now it's it's just us moving in the right direction. So now in year two, uh, whereas year one you're trying to figure it out and and see what needs to be changed, what are we doing great in year two? It's now we're we're the 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 bus is going and we're just putting oil on the axle. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now we're we're trying to find those things that we can change and create that student athlete experience that we talked about earlier, um, and and putting those things in place as opposed to making sure we have the right personnel in place um, and and evaluating who we were. Um, now we're moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I just want to—is this correct? You guys have an enrollment under a thousand there at Goshen College. 
We do have an enrollment under a thousand. We're okay. we're about eight hundred. Yep. So how do you? Because I mean, um, I'm at the University of Minnesota Crookston. We're a Division two small school. Um, we're about you know we're under a thousand um, enrollment with online. We're about twelve twelve hundred. Um, and one of the things that you know, like I mentioned, you know, my my position is event management and intramural coordinator. But one of the things. You know, as a student athlete, I think one of the things that we, we, we kind of lacked and we didn't really have a big thing in was um, leadership development. So starting next week, um, I mean, obviously this was, we planned this out. We met for the whole half semester last year and we're rolling out this leadership development life after the game program. So what is your thoughts about, you know, how does a small school such as yourself and the University of Minnesota Crookston, how do you create the resources needed for like a development program because i we see at the division one um they have full-time staff for that um division two some division twos they have the full-time staff for that but then there's unfortunately there's a lot of universities from division two down that don't have the resources where they can have a full-time person for this leadership development programs yep um I think it's a, it's about the department being intentional and saying this is what we want to have. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I did when I, I got here, we didn't have a compliance and student services person, and now we do. And that's we're in the same boat. That's part of their responsibility is to build our Maple Leaf student-athlete leadership program um, because we want to make sure that we're preparing our student-athletes for life after college as much as our coaches are while they're they're in the game and it's just being intentional and finding opportunities i think for small schools to partner with student life and to partner with other campus partners um, to build those programs Um, Mm -hmm. a a great example is every year uh, we do a resume workshop well I, i could Obviously, I could bring someone in to do a resume workshop to our our 300 student athletes. But if Career Networks is going to do it already on campus, why not partner with them? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for for us, it's it's really about. Obviously, there are certain times where we're going to bring in individuals to come and speak to our student athletes that are just going to talk to them from the the athletic side. But there's no no reason that we can't bring someone in that the other side of campus is using uh, to have a conversation with our student athletes about time management because all students are going to need to have that conversation anyway. So mm-hmm. it's really about using what resources you already have on your campus to benefit your student athletes in the same light. And I think the other side of campus enjoys that part because now they get to make sure that they're they're events are filled because they know that if we're making it mandatory we break it down by a class so if it's a a a financial workshop all of our seniors are required to go to that financial workshop on our campus when it happens it it benefits both sides because it it means that our student athletes are there it means that the event is filled with students um and it helps us complete the program that our student athletes will go through during their four years as a student athlete for us and I think that's, you know, that's that's great advice. Um, I think that's something that we're trying to accomplish here. And then the whole idea of, you know, partnering with other other uh, departments on campus is a great idea. And that's something that I know I'll be applying to this program that we're starting here because, I mean, this is the first semester, first year that we're rolling a program out like this. So really we're trying to work out the, uh, we're trying to put the best, for the best product right now. But then obviously there's going to be some kinks and some things that we have to work around and then so 
you know, I, my my goal, my dream, um, I want to be an athletic director one day. And the reason why I want to be an athletic director one day is I touched, I kind of touched base on it earlier. You know, I want a bigger platform because I want to affect more people through athletics. You know, I want to give such as like how you were saying, I want to create an experience for each student athlete that they're going to remember their whole life. And it's going to have a positive impact with on them after their time with us at this university. So what is your advice on me reaching that goal from from learning, you know, what my position is today and what kind of the things I want to do? I, I'd say the number one thing is to, to, to be a sponge mm-hmm. um, as you come in contact with, with people, whether that's at your own institution, that's inside your conference, that's at any professional development opportunities that you go to. Um, be a sponge when you hear people talking. Connect yourselves with those those individuals. Um, and then I think the, the second thing is to get outside of your world and, and get more responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you that I had athletic directors that said to me, hey, you're great at marketing, but you need to understand compliance. Hey, you're great at, at fundraising, but you need to understand recruiting and how you build a, a scholarship budget and, and how you allocate that. Um, so I think those are the two things, getting, getting as much responsibility that's not on your job description as possible. Um, and, and some of that may be you just sitting in a room and, and listening to people talk. I sat in, in meetings where I didn't say a, a word about mm-hmm. anything because I needed to gain this knowledge and hear how these conversations happen. Um, but then uh, I, I think it's, it's about networking and, and being a sponge and hearing what people are, are saying and, and learn the business from that side. Um, like I said, before I became an athletic director, I was already – I had – I have athletic directors that I didn't work for. I have their numbers in my phone. Um, and then uh, I'll, I'll add in, uh, do as much programming as you can. Um, the NCAA is great for that. I've done a multitude of, of programming with the NCAA um, to, to put myself in a, a position to succeed um, as an African-American male. Um, I think if, if you can find ways that you can hop into whatever programming that the NCAA puts on for for Division Two or, or across the board, it'll benefit you uh, wholeheartedly because, again, you're building those networks, and, and these are people that you talk to on a day in and, and, and day out. One of, one of my friends with a program that I did just got a, a AD job, and, and we were just uh, direct messaging back and forth because we need to get on the phone and have a conversation about how his first couple of days has gone as the mm-hmm. athletic director at, at the institution that he's moving to now. And you know that's uh, it's it's one of the things. Well, one of the things that I kind of struggle with myself right now is, you know, I'm going out and networking. Um, I'm trying to talk to all these different individuals, but one of the things is I don't want to. As at times, I feel like. I want to be able to provide something, right? Like, I don't want it to be just kind of those things where I just talk to them and they give me advice, but, like, I want to provide something in return. So, what, like, what's your advice on that? Like, how do I provide value um, instead of it just being a one-way relationship? Yeah, um, you, you provide value by, by being engaging and, and, and really listening to, to uh, the things that they're telling you. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't believe uh, mentors choose to be in your life. Mm-hmm. 
Um, like I said, I, 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 I'll, I'll name drop someone that, that I value day in and day out. And, and we've had those conversations where she set me straight, Stevie Baker Watson. I've never once worked for her, ever. Hmm. I've had a million conversations with her, and yeah. sometimes they're, uh, you know, hey, you're great at this, and, and this is why you're going to be an awesome AD. And sometimes they're, hey, you got to pull yourself up and you got to do this better if you want to be a successful athletic director. Um, but never once has she ever had a conversation with me to get something from me. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I would say don't even walk into the situation. If, if someone wants to be a mentor, they're going to be a mentor regardless of what they can get from you. Okay. So I wouldn't even go into it looking to to provide something to them. Um, I I think it's the 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 best thing you can do is really be engaging and listen to what they're telling you, uh, and that's all the things that that they would require. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I that, I I think that's definitely something I needed to hear because I I'm always a little hesitant as far as reaching out to people because I always think you know I don't I can't provide that value. But it, it, it's good to and it's it's really good to hear that, you know, like you said, like mentors are going to want to be in your life, whether or not it is you provide something to them or not. Um, so the last question I want to end with, I end it with every podcast, every guest that's on, um, you know, if you could talk about you kind of mentioned somebody already, um, someone who who you look up to, who's had a positive influence in your life, whether it's personally, professionally um, in any other aspect, in any aspect, you know, who's someone who's had that positive influence that you look up to? Yeah. Um, uh, I, like, I, I think we, we talked about the athletic directors that I've worked for, mm-hmm. whether it's, uh, you know, it's Chad Isley at, at Knox college or Tim Duncan at, at Payne college or, or Lisa Sweeney at, at, at Armstrong or, or, um, people like, Stevie Baker Watson or Marcus Manning down in Sydney. These are people that that I I have enjoyed getting to know and, and have poured into me as a a professional. Um, I, I'd say the number one influencer probably in my world. I have an older sister, Octavia Treadway, and and she's that where we we talked about the confidence part. She's the one that's instilled the confidence. Don't get me wrong. She was <laughs> like all other siblings. She. She made sure that I knew where I fed in the pecking, <laughs> in the pecking order. Um, but she also built me up and, and reminded me that regardless of what happens, I was put on this earth for a reason to be great. And it's up to me to put the, the skills and the things in place so that I could be successful in my career. Um, and I, and I, I, I tend to, to call her before I call any of those mentors that I mentioned earlier to, to have a conversation with her to just say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. What are your thoughts on it? I know you don't work in the athletic world, but, but what are your thoughts on it? And sometimes they're spot on, and sometimes I'm like, yeah, that ain't going to work for me. <laughs> um, but it, but it, it's, it's good that I have someone in, in my life that um, – it's not an athletics person that I can I can bounce things off of. We talk about everything under the sun, um, which is it's just good from that standpoint. Um, but I'm also fortunate that I have a whole bunch of other people inside my athletic world that I can call upon and talk to, and and can also set me straight. And I will be honest, nine times out of ten, that's how I know that they're good mentors because they're usually all on the same same board with Mm -hmm. wherever I need to go or what I should be doing or how I should be acting in a certain situation so um but but definitely my older sister Octavia she's she's 
phenomenal until this day uh we're, we're three three four years apart and until this day she will still set me straight um regardless of what the situation is if, if i'm in the wrong so uh having someone like that in in my life personally has helped me both uh, you know as a husband as a as a father as a man but also career-wise as I've moved into this this place where now I'm the the lead lead administrator in my own athletic department and moving into that trajectory. Um, she definitely is is that person for me. I, I like that you say that um, she never lets she never lets you forget where you are in the pecking order of things of of the sibling. <laughs> No matter what the title is, I'm still the baby brother. That's fun. that's funny. That's that's funny. Well, again, Harold, you know I appreciate you coming on. You know you've had such a quite long, quite journey to where you are today. Um, you know we talked about it in this short podcast, but it really doesn't summarize and, and describe of this journey that you went through. And you know this advice that you're giving is being being a sponge networking, doing things outside of your responsibility, being aware of what you don't know and learning what you need to know. I think that's great advice for myself, for the listeners. And I I appreciate you coming on again. Um, And again, listeners, thank you for listening to Sports is Job podcast. And as I say always, we are all on our own individual journeys, but you are not alone.